0: Hey everyone, welcome to the GIST podcast. If you're tired of being
1: comfortable and want to take on living life from the context of 100%,
0: fuck yeah. Join us each week as we share lessons we're experiencing in this crazy game called life.
1: We invite you to play along and get your shit
0: together. Take responsibility for how your life is currently going and at the same time, take
1: on new, fun, and sometimes crazy shit. We promise to challenge your thinking by being vulnerable, authentic, and straight up with what we're dealing with, what doesn't work and what can.
0: Be warned. This is not your grandma's podcast.
1: Good morning and welcome to episode 62 of the just life podcast. We have a guest today, Richard Canfield. Today we're talking about honey trucks. No, it's not what you think working smarter versus harder, how you think and how to change how you think, the space of expansion between the worlds of what you know and what you don't, how to be of service by tapping in and expanding on what is congruent with who you are and how the dollars flow through your life. So we are here again at The Just Life, episode 62. Just like that. Yeah, and we got a guest, and we're uh, we're playing with something new. We haven't done it before. He is out of Edmonton, so he's here in spirit, but uh, but definitely not in person. Here he is, right here. This is our guest today. There it is. And uh, and Richard is a gentleman who has a huge commitment to helping people with their financial well-being and and to create an environment where uh, all of us actually have everything that we need to be able to do the things that we wanna do, to take care of the families that we're looking to and are really committed to taking care of. And he's got a good story, like most of us. We've got a lot of stuff that has gotten us to the point where we're at in our lives at this very moment, and so does Richard. So Richard, I uh, I want you to just give us a little bit of a download around yourself and uh, who you are, what it is that you do. Just kind of give us a high level snapshot.
2: Snapshot it is. Well, first off, uh, you know, just grateful and thankful to be uh, to be here, as you said, in spirit. Uh, the spirit is strong um, in our <laughs> connection between Edmonton and Calgary. I think. Uh, and uh i I'm, I'm excited that we're we're able to not only do this podcast but also you know it's an opportunity i think to test something new you know as far as lining up different levels of technology which is always kind of an interest of mine as well so i think that's kind of neat awesome um you know i've i've uh, i've i live out in shura park and my wife and i and our two kids we have an acreage out of shura park and uh um we absolutely love this area and this community but I actually grew up in a in a small farming community uh, for anyone who's listening that knows Hay Lakes Alberta it's one of those uh you know you're driving by and if you blink you kind of miss it or you miss the turn sort of a towns um we used to say that we had a, a population of 400 with one in the oven so <laughs> uh, ongoing we and we had a we had a you know a grade you know you know kindergarten to grade twelve school and you know average class size was around you know somewhere between you know twenty five and thirty students so you know I kind of grew up with the same kids most of my life and you know in that small farming community you know I was an hour bus ride to get to school and that sort of thing so you know it was an interesting you know rural Alberta typical rural Alberta type of upbringing I guess you could say surrounded by a farming community but where things maybe weren't so typical was that uh you know I I was part of a family business and our family business was uh I used I would tell people that I was the heir to the Portable Toilet Kingdom of Camrose Alberta
1: Damn dude that sounds Yeah uh,
2: a true prince to the throne
1: <laughs> Literally the throne <laughs> that's awesome
2: So, uh, you know, it was a, it was an interesting experience. You know, my dad had a septic uh, truck business, you know, early on. So I, you know, I remember riding in the septic truck as a young kid and, um, you know, who, who knew that later on in life when we got into, you know, the, 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 those little yellow buildings that you see on job sites and all the events that you go to that I would be in that, in that business. And so, you know, I had to discover all the, the inner workings of, uh, I guess hard work in a in a business that involved trucks and trailers and building equipment and Hauling things all over Alberta and all the stresses around organizations. so it was it was an interesting training ground. Um, which I, you know, reflecting back, it's easier to see when you're looking back. It's it was hard to see at the time um, about lots of different skill sets that I think you know now in in reflection I'm like wow I, I actually learned a great deal in that experience and even though there was certainly some some tense and very stressful moments there was massive opportunities for growth along the way. And now I I recognize how some of those skill sets kind of play out in my in my life in other areas. So uh, you know, but but I got to drive the honeywagon, that's, you know, to school from time to time when I when I got my license in high school. And, you know, I one of the skill sets I learned in that in that time frame, again, looking back, I realized I I started to develop some sales skills earlier on because, you know, you always wanna you're a teenager, you always want to do things with your friends and I would convince friends to come over. We were we had some plan that we were going to do. But What they didn't know is that when they got there, before we could take care of those plans, we had to go and deliver some portable toilets someplace. So I was able to convince people to do a lot of free labor (laughs) and and turn it into an adventure, essentially. So everything that we did was always an adventure. And, uh, you know, you could sell people on the idea of delivering portable toilets pretty easy if you described an adventure around the experience.
1: Man, that sounds like the... That's the last thing that I would create an adventure around, that's for sure. Uh, and a really great metaphor for the the things that we deal with, all of us, in one way or another, can really show up like a real shitty situation. You know what I mean? If we were to lever, lever the pun, as it were, here... Um, but that it, there is a whole lot of learning that we all of us get to um, get to tap into, if we allow ourselves and gives our, give ourselves the perspective of of what that learning actually is. You got to run around and what did you call it? What did you call the rig that your dad was driving uh, around? The, the honey wagon.
2: The That's honey the, wagon. Oh man. You know, for a common term for what you would call a septic truck. And I'm not sure how I ever got that because. Yeah, that is weird. I think think it's someone who has a high level of understanding of irony coined it and it just kind of caught on. (laughs) High
0: level of understanding of irony.
1: My world has (laughs) changed forever now from this point on. No shit. (laughs) Or lots of shit. Yeah, you know, this whole (laughs) podcast is going to be full of it. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my
0: God, the puns. (laughs)
2: Oh, dear. well, you know, it, it it was interesting because, you know, it's 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 like any business that involves trucks and equipment ultimately. I mean, sure the 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 product I guess was a little different at the end, of, you know, the end end of the day, but you know, all the same uh, issues that someone that has like a trucking company would experience, you know, truck breakdowns, all kinds of maintenance issues those kinds of things were work were, were common things we had to deal with and contend with because you have responsibilities things that need to be done and then all of a sudden you've got one of your core vehicles isn't operational you know it really you have to you have to quickly problem solve and figure out how do we solution this in a way that we can still you know maintain and manage our business and get things done and so i learned a lot of interesting skill sets along that line and and we we worked very hard. And so what I started to understand as a young person is that you needed to work hard. And that message was very common. What I didn't fully grasp and understand, and even when someone told me that you could also work smart, um, I thought that you could accomplish just about anything by just putting your nose down and to the grindstone and just and literally working hard. And that hard work essentially would solve everything, which is not actually the case. I mean, it, it turns out that you can just work really hard and basically just kind of <laughs> make make your body pay for it at the at the end of the line. Yeah, it, it so, comes uh, at the cost.
1: There's a I, cost there.
2: I was yeah, and I I was thinking about this actually, kind of leading up to our our call today, is that. Some of the lessons that I learned uh, from my parents, which I you know love them dearly, they're amazing, wonderful people. But you know, my dad would, would often say to me, he'd say he would kind of point you know at my head you know with a finger and he'd say, look, you need to learn how to use this and instead of using this. You know, he'd point at some area of the body and and uh, and I didn't understand much when I was young what he was really talking about because I you know I couldn't recognize it. But now, you know, waking up this morning at an early time frame when my daughter is uh, up early and then earlier than maybe she should be. um, And, you know, feeling the aches and pains in my mid thirties. I'm like, well, I think this is what he was talking about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, indeed, man. I get that world for sure. It's good to have that early, um, you know, just that foundation, though, of understanding what hard work can do and also having that mentorship from your father to you know, at least pounded in your head, whether you picked it up or not, something was getting absorbed um, through osmosis around just working smarter, which is likely how you wound up being who you are today. Yeah. Sooner or later we we have, we all have
2: little catalyst events or changes that happen in life where we, we all sudden either find ourselves in a new direction or, or we're just thinking differently about, what was going on in our life and we're recognizing things in a new way like you know it's uh it's kind of like if you guys ever seen the the fedex logo a lot of, a lot of uh, personal development classes events you know people will use the fedex logo as an as an opportunity of a teaching point because when you see the fedex there's a section in it where between two of the letters there's actually an arrow a forward moving arrow and when you pull you extract that chunk of the image that arrow out of the image you know and now anytime you see that logo that's the only thing that pops it's like when you get a new car and you're looking around and you're driving around and suddenly all you see is those same cars on the road whereas before you didn't really notice them. Yeah. So what you focus on kind of expands and and as when something all of a sudden becomes available to you that you didn't see before now it's like you're exposed to a whole new world a whole new line of thinking a whole new method of interpreting information and data as it's you know firing into your brain. That you can now make different choices and different decisions that weren't previously available to you. They they were there, you just didn't know how to make the connection. And so, you know, my mentor Nelson Nash, he he would always say um, he would start and begin every session, every presentation he would do, every course that he would teach with with uh, you know three things, and he would say he would repeat. He would say it's all about how you think. This is all about how you think. This is all about how you. Think think. And and the repetition of that is important because repetition is often one of our best teachers in life. But it wasn't so much in the repetition. It's actually in the way he emphasizes the phrase in the words. And so you're, it, it, it brings it into your brain in a little bit of a different way because each emphasis creates a different thinking position in your brain about what, what is it that you think about? Is it is it you? Is it all the things that come into your life? And so it really gets you to Get, kind of get present about the way that you're interpreting information and how you're taking things in and so he would begin every training session like that and um, that's something that's stuck with me and and even in his <clears throat> in his absence because he, he recently passed away as we're recording this you know uh, it's something that I get to ponder moving forward in life as a as this constant gift because as I'm as I'm recognizing that coming up for me and I'm, and I'm playing those words over and over in my brain I'm constantly challenging the thoughts that are entering my brain and wanting, okay, well, you're right. It is all about how how you think. And in this case, it's me. How do I think? How am I thinking about this situation? How am I thinking about this problem? How am I thinking about this solution? What could I be doing differently? What might I think about differently? How might I think upon it in a different way? And that creates, you know, a solution based kind of mindset where you know we all have. Difficulties and problems that enter into our world. I mean, they, they, you, you, I don't think anyone goes through a day where a problem doesn't show up somewhere along the line. Um, but it's how you're interpreting that, and when you can get present to the idea that you can think about it differently, then all of a sudden, the the not that the problem disappears. It's that you can start to define it clearly. And when you can define it clearly, then you can start to make the solutions about how you might move forward around it. Or, or even if it's worth doing it, you may decide, hey, this problem is actually not a big deal at all. And we're just going to blow through it and move on to the next thing. So that little piece of mentorship and advice is something that um, has been truly instrumental for me in the last number of years. And, and I believe it'll, it'll carry
1: forward for the rest of my life. Yeah, it can't not. Uh, and you really you create a compelling example of what it actually means what it looks like to work smart versus working hard and 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 doing the uh, the, the hard actions um, and not present to a, an easier solution the smarter solution to be able to get to the same result uh, for for all the reasons that you talk about, uh, and, and the one in particular being, well, what is it that you are thinking? What, what are you allowing to take over as now the operating system that will drive you forward? And is it actually the one that is going to best serve you? I feel like in, in our society now, I, I like to call it the developmental age, we are, there are those that, um, that are very tuned into the machine, the mechanism, the computer that is human being uh, and, and putting more measures of control in place and, and stopping it from going in an automatic pilot mode. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's where the working hard versus the working smarter context really comes from. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. So, uh, Richard, you are you are in business for yourself. How long have you been in business for yourself?
2: Well, as of uh, February sixth this year, uh, that would mark my eleventh uh, year since I hung up my tools as an electrician officially. Um, I'm a recovering electrician by trade. I always say recovering because uh, you know, I think you, you, when you leave some industry that you actually you know, kind of enjoyed, you're always recovering from it <laughs> in some way. And, uh, and uh, so I, uh, and I forged into, you know, from that point on, I moved into actually into real estate. So I was a realtor for um, about nine years, ballpark. And I, I actually just kind of let that license go here in the last two years. And Shortly after that experience, I, I knew when I when I left the electrical trade because, A, I knew it was time. It was actually over time. Um, I was doing essentially the equivalent of job site seminars in job trailers in Fort McMurray and teaching people how to put their money to better use and just helping them understand what are some of the tools that were available to them. It wasn't so much that I was providing advice so much as I was just educating people about uh, – Possibilities on what they could utilize their money for that they didn't realize. Like you know, I'd spent a lot of uh, money on my personal and financial education up to that point, uh, pretty exorbitant amount actually. I think and probably the equivalent of a university degree's worth. And uh, flying to courses all over North America, meeting all the gurus and tycoons and real estate, and I was involved in lots of real estate membership and mentorship groups for around real estate investment. And uh, you know, so I, I knew a lot of the strategies and tools that you could use to to go and either acquire or manage or deal with different aspects of real estate and and also associated things that you could do on top of that, that just, you know, the average bear just doesn't seem to be aware of. And so I was really just trying to raise the level of awareness while I was doing that, you know, in the lunchroom on, in job trailers, I would get two job trailers together and say, Hey guys, I got some stuff, some handouts, let's go over this. People have been asking me questions. Here's some things we should talk about. And uh, and I and I, I just knew that I wasn't in the right industry, you know, helping Suncor get oil out of the ground wasn't exactly uh, something that I was particularly you know, fond of necessarily. And and it, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy the work or the people I was around. It just wasn't a means to actually serve. It was it wasn't a way that I could leave some kind of an impact or a legacy on in on the world. And I always knew that I was meant for something more that I would do a way that I would be able to um, be of service. And so when I went to get my real estate license, you know, it was kind of the, just the next natural step as I you know, I needed something to do. If I'm gonna hang, hang these tools up and park them in a garage, I need to make a decision about what I'm gonna do next. But I, but I knew going into that environment that that was just a stepping stone. It was, it was kind of like a placeholder for something that I was waiting for. I was, I was, there was something that was gonna show up for me and I didn't know exactly what it was. I knew it was gonna be around financial education. I just didn't know what the right thing was yet, and literally it was it was about a year later um, after that, and, you know, not quite not quite a year and a half later, where a book came into my life and a good friend of mine uh, who's been a great you know great coach and a mentor and a friend, he had uh, suggested I go buy this book, and the book is called uh, Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash, and so I, I ordered this book and the exchange rate was really kind of crappy and so it cost me like forty eight dollars forty five dollars to get to my door landed. And uh, after reading it, it just, it just changed everything. It, it, you know, all this information I had heard and I'd learned over the years, although it was all good and it was all valuable and it's, and it's been able to be valuable for other people, there was a missing link. And the book really helped me understand what the missing link was, in my opinion. And so it, it really kind of changed my outlook on everything. It, ch- it caused me to think differently. In fact, it still does that today when I reread the book. But I just, re- I just knew that this was the thing I was waiting for. This was it. This was what I was looking for in my life. That this was the thing I could go out and plant a flag uh, in the world about how I was going to go help people and serve people. And so, you know, shortly thereafter, a number of months later, um, you know making the right decisions and, and doing the work that was required I was able to kind of get into the industry uh, you know, in the financial industry around helping to coach and teach and mentor people how to implement the process that that book describes you know the becoming your own banker process you know the infinite banking concept it was it was a revolutionary thing in my world because it's really very core and simplistic and it's in its fundamental nature but it, it has such a tremendous impact on families and on businesses because it gets them to really rethink their cash flow and how they can optimize cash flow better in their life. I mean, if if, you, if you're if you not, you know, we all have to deal with cash flow, so you're optimizing it really matters, and it, that was a real uh, kind of a catalyst event for me when that happened.
1: Yeah, that's great. Before we dig into uh, the, the be your own banker concept, there's something that you talked about that is, uh, I, I wanted to point it towards, that I wanted to point towards, Pointed it towards uh, and that's this notion of being of service there is it's everywhere right in in some way or another and uh, whether it is inside of now seeing blue cars because you bought a blue car and and it and it resides and now just you're you're picking it up more because you're paying more attention to it um right? I feel like there's a lot of people who think that's a really good idea to be of service. And it is a thing that we grapple with being unable to uh, to do anything or, or feel like we're, we just don't know where to go to actually be of service to somebody. What would you say to those people who think it's a good idea or they're like, yeah, OK, but but now what? Um, what would be some access that, from your experience, you could provide? Well,
2: that's a really, really good question. Um, you know, I think that the, the, well, the, the opportunities that exist to serve others are, are, are quite dramatic and exorbitant. But you, you're always going to be able to provide your best value, I, in my opinion, what I think would you would be able to do your best value is if you're finding something that's already um, congruent with how you, how you operate and how you show up in the world, how you something that you have either a passion or a desire to do already. So as an example, there's lots of people who've been impacted by, uh, you know, medical ailments as an example, you know, strokes and cancers and, and these types of things that impact people all the time. And so when when you experience that in a, in a family scenario often people will their life it's a life-changing event for them and so their 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 way that they want to show up and serve others is often in that in, in that realm they maybe you're a cancer survivor you want to go now and and help mentor and, and educate and, and 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 inspire others who are you know thriving in that battle that you want to be able to get them the the, the help that they need and the, and and the and the right positive energy that they need to kind of make it through recovery or be focused on recovery all all those things so that's that that I think is a kind of a common event, and you know, there's many people who are very involved in in their church or their or their, their religious community. There's many people that are involved in lots of uh, per- personal development networks. So myself, I got into a very uh, you know large personal development network early on when I was when I was young, around 18, 19 years of age, with with a company called Peak Potentials. I developed a lot of tremendous friendships with amazing people because of that. And, and I think that was really one of those catalysts that led me closer and closer to what I do today and where I am today. Um, and it just continued to open doorways. And so th- those are organizations where you can often, um, help, help other people. You can collaborate on things. You can find ways to serve in, um, many charitable formats, but you can also find ways to serve in, you know, as an example, um, you know you know some some people that are in like the the hair industry you know my wife is a hairstylist so you know she, you know one thing that she's really she's really likes is being able to serve people and and women and help them feel beautiful in their in their life and confident because you know, they've got this, the both the best, most amazing hair on planet Earth, you know, that, you know, they, they, you know, working towards style and those kinds of things. And so those are a way that's a way that you can serve others that you feel really good about, because it's congruent with who you are. And so I think finding a match to something you're already interested in or, or passionate about, and then and then just just asking the good question, asking the question, how might I serve others or serve more people in this realm, and your brain's gonna You know, is a this powerful computer that's going to automatically go to work, and it's going to start coming up with new ideas. And if you run out of ideas, you just got to ask a new question. The new question is, what else might I do, or what might I do that's totally different than everything I've already listed? And your brain's going to go back to work again because it's got a new input. So I think that if you if you want to serve. You just need to define a little bit about what's the general area or the category you want to serve in. And then you got to start asking your brain the right questions so that you can find the solution to how you can do that and, you, and show up in your best, most powerful way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, hands down. Thanks for that. Yeah, well said, man. Well done. Anything you want to add so far, Vern, based on what's been talked about? Well,
0: actually, one thing I will, uh, I will add quick before we get go to where you're going. Um, just to give some background, some context, just so that people know, is Richard's actually my mentor in business, uh, particularly with uh, the financial piece and the infinite banking concept. And you can see that he shares a lot of wisdom and knowledge. And a lot of our conversations have very little to do with what it is that we actually do. It has more to do with being of service, and more to do with yeah, how, yeah the impact it has, and how to how to be effective, such that um, I'm known as that person who can make a difference for people, right? It's the, the questions that he's asking, the things that he puts in my head and has me look in areas of my brain that I don't normally look because of my own background and my own limitations, right? So um, there's been a lot of ever expanding thinking that's been going on with uh, the work that I do with Richard. And that's really what it all is all about. And I'm really getting that in this conversation, Richard, is the value of thinking, but Uh, A lot of times uh, we think from a place of fear or frantic or got to get it figured out, as opposed to really just being with what's going on and asking those ruminating questions like, how could I be more of service in this realm? That is fascinating. So thanks for putting that on the table, man. One,
2: well, you know, thank you. Know, thank you for sharing that too, Vern. I really appreciate that. And you know, our our work together has been extremely rewarding. And and for me, this kind of a thing that we're doing in in that realm has been a new area that I didn't realize was an area that I I actually could be of service in, and that that it's a developing area for me, and that's something I actually quite enjoy. And and I I'm developing a new passion for. So, you know, you're always finding as you go through the road of life that there's new things that open up, and so you your ability to serve. If you're focused on the idea of service, I think the new new pathways are going to be opened up if you have that kind of a focus. And so, you know, if, if I may, I, I kind of want to just piggyback on that and share a quick, a quick story. This is something that I learned from from Nelson Nash. And I remember this was, was about six or seven years ago. We were at an event in Birmingham, Alabama, and we were having, you know, Nelson had a wine and we were having kind of a social gathering here. And he, he took his glass and it was a wide open table and we, we, we were, got into conversation and he was really well known for doing this sort of thing. We went, we went over this open table and he says, okay, Richard, now look, imagine he took his glass and he set it down on the table and this table was wide open and fully clear. He said, imagine this table represents everything, all the known knowledge in the world, everything out in the world that there is to know. Now take a look at the bottom of this glass. This is everything. This is a representation of everything that I know that I know in the world. And so if you've got this wide table and this small little glass, you can see that, that what you know is this infinitesimal, you know, minute amount compared to everything that's out there in the world to know. But take notice of the outside of the rim of the glass. Look at the outside rim. This is the circumference. This is the areas where I am touching the unknown. This is where my knowledge is being exposed to that which I do not know. And, and then he, there was some, there was something like a jug, like a, like a, like a water jug, you know, so a much larger uh, circumference. He took the water jug and he set it down on the table. Now, if I expand that which I know, if I increase my own knowledge, absolutely, I know more. And this is a wonderful experience. You know, the pursuit of knowledge is a powerful thing. But take notice of this much larger circumference. Notice how I am vastly more exposed now on the outer rim to that which I do not know and so what the teaching point is is that um, we don't know what we don't know and every time that we learn something new the things that we don't know that are beyond that are expanded even further so we are every time we're taking a in new information and we're and we're bridging the gap and we're, we're building and developing and growing ourselves we are constantly growing uh, towards uh, an expanse of information that we haven't even tapped into yet. And and knowing that that's possible and that's what's out there for the world, I think it really invigorates people who understand that, who are open and and, and are, are powerfully engaged in their own educational process about developing and growing their own brain and their own world and, and their exposure to new things because it's such a glorious and wonderful experience.
1: That was well said, man. Well done. I dropped the mic, but they're connected to the table. <laughs> so what I would like to do, unless you have any other ideas, Vern, is to, to get you to talk a little bit about being your own banker and the philosophy behind it. Uh, what can we bring to people to give them a, uh, a high level understanding uh, and then, uh, and then start get them give them something to begin to start the exploration inside of a, an area they don't know. And take your time. There's, there's no, um, you know, just have a think about what that is and uh, and what could that be, right? For someone who's never really experienced it or, or understands it, um, but has their own understanding of finance. I think there's a there's a there's a big gap between what we and you've alluded to this before. There's a big gap between what we understand um, financial wellness and, uh, and surplus and, uh, and abundance, if you will, to be. Uh, and then there's the reality of, um, of where we're at and, and some of the... Um, Red herrings. Yeah, they're, they, uh, they're not actually in our best interest. And we don't know, again, we don't know what we don't know. And mm-hmm. we're navigating through this space yeah, and and none the wiser right what what could you bring to the table? what could you share to to get them to start to think about and understand what else is out there
2: hmm well you know i i i would really i i like to divert to um Nelson's Nelson's book becoming your own banker because it, it's it's kind of like this gift that keeps on giving and so anyone that's seen my book it's I've had to go get it laminated and, and bound because it was falling apart and it's got uh, highlights and dates on it of when I you know discovered or learned or um, I guess uh, came up with new ideas about things I've read in the book numerous times and one of my favorite pages of the book is page 85 and Nelson has some core points it's kind of like a little miniature summary page. But there's, there's some interesting bullets on here that I would share. And, and so one of the things he says is that there's only two sources of income. There's people at work and there's money at work. And if you knew at passive income time that you could get back everything you paid into a system potentially tax-free, would you ever object to putting any more money into it? Well, I mean, it's a rhetorical question. Obviously, no one would say no to that. But, you know, he kind of further goes on to, to mention that, look, when you get paid for your work, it doesn't matter if you're in business or, you know, you, you work for someone else, it either is fine. When you get paid, though, you put all of that money into someone else's bank, you know, the commercial banking system, the TD banks, the Scotia banks of the world. And then you write checks from that account to buy the things of life. So in essence, someone else's bank gets all of your money first. If you owned your own banking system, wouldn't you want to run all of your business through your own bank? Of course, kind of another rhetorical question. But what he's, what Nelson's doing is he's teaching us to start to thinking about the process of how our money flows through life differently, and what we want to do in the concept of infinite banking. The, the, the premise is to try to harness the potential of the dollars that are running through your life before they disappear in your life. There's so many areas, you know, I, I call them uh, silent assassins of your money. Because they 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 slice and dice up money as it passes through your life, and then you're left with only the pieces that are that are that are behind. And so there's there's these little gaping holes that we can try to identify and close in on. And if we can optimize them in a in a system that allows you to have a constant compounding effect on your capital as it, as your savings as it's moving through your hands, I mean it becomes a very powerful basis of financial operation. And so. You know, there's, a, there's another gentleman who's been a good mentor of mine, and he he, recently, he passed last year um, at, at the age of 88. Uh, his name was uh, Bob Shields. And Bob Shields was originally from Scotland. He, he lived in London, Ontario. And he wrote a book that says, you don't have to die to win. And he talked about creating your future operating line of credit. And so it was the same type of a premise that Nelson Nash discovered in, in the infinite banking concept, where you can harness the potential of your dollars by inserting them through time into a system that's designed to create a constant compound effect, but not not freeze your money into a prison where you can't access it. See, most of the, most of the tools and the, and the products or things that most Canadians use, at least anyway, in their financial life, they're often like a prison for your money. You, you make a choice. that Your money can do this or it can do this. It's always an or decision. Look, I can put my money in my savings account or I can go put it in our, our RRSP. I can put it in an RSP or I can go buy that car that I need. I can buy that car I need or I can take my family on vacation. You can never do the same thing with those dollars. When someone, you know, understands and embraces the concept of infinite banking and they and they optimize it, you know, like you know, as Vern can show them how to do it, et cetera, then then they now have the ability to make what's called an and decision. They can have an infinite banking system, they can have capital growing for them, you know, throughout their entire uh, natural life and they have the ability to liberate that capital and put it and go buy the car or to go on vacation for their family or to put it into you know, a registered account or to put it into an investment structure or to invest it in their business or to buy material for their business. So you're able to create a multitasking effect on your capital. And that's, and, and that's an efficiency that we're able to design for people and that over time, that efficiency gets enhanced further and further as you go through time. So the problem is, Nelson identifies again, and he, he he runs this through like multiple times in the book, but he, he says it on page 85, you finance everything that you buy, you're either going to pay interest to someone else, or you're going to give up the interest that you could have otherwise earned. There are no exceptions. So. You know, a good example would be you know we use we use we talk about cars a lot. Everyone needs a car for the most part. You know, public transit in in Western Canada is is still a a a growing system, and so I think even in Calgary, it's a big city. Most people need cars in Calgary, Um, and so you you got to go and sink money into one of those things so you can get around and operate your day to day life. Well, let's say you're going to go buy a car. Was say you're getting one off Kijiji or something for ten thousand bucks. Well, in order to go buy that car for ten thousand dollars, you have to have the money. You had to save it up the moment you go and exchange the money to the the person selling the car that money's gone forever and it can no longer earn for you it's only going to earn for someone else and you exchange the money for a car now the car might be part of your business maybe it's going to help you earn money in some other way but the actual 10,000 dollars that original capital is gone and so when you can when you can park some of that capital and as it's flowing through your life into a system that allows it to be optimized for constant compounding that 10,000 can continue to grow for you for the rest of your natural life you can liberate it and still go buy the car now you have to start making a, you have to resave you got to start saving up again for the next vehicle purchase well the way that we teach people how to do that changes when you incorporate this concept into their life and so it's really a mindset model it's about it's a thinking around how does money flow through your life And how can you optimize that money in a further basis so that you can have more of it when you need it most?
1: Oh, man. So good.
0: So good, Richard. People don't we don't think about the flow of money. We don't think about where it actually comes from. And we really don't think about the actual income potential that we have for our entire lives and what opportunities we're missing out as a result of that, because it's constantly um going somewhere else it's not constantly going to the next payment or to pay off this bill or to save up for the vacation and then we spend it and it's gone forever i love that rich there's a couple things i want to ask you about because although um you know you're you're doing a really great job of explaining this from a high level and um there's a couple of points that i wrote down that sometimes might not be entirely clear to people so i just want to uh I'm going to throw a couple phrases at you and I'd like for you to just give me back, you know, um, a little bit of a Coles notes in plain English, what that actually means so that people pick up on what you're saying. Okay. Done. Okay, cool. So you had mentioned earlier when it comes to passive income time, a lot of people might not know that that basically means retirement. What is passive income? What's passive income time, Rich?
2: Yeah, you know, passive income time. I mean, passive income, you know, in, in general general terms, is income that is coming in without you having to actively go and earn it. So, active income means you got to go and do some kind of work or effort to to generate that income. Passive income is income that's coming in without any additional workload. So. You know, typical ways, uh, typical methods of passive income are: you have an investment, and the investment is producing, let's say, interest or a cash flow or return. And that in- it's money at work versus people at work. Okay. Uh, another example would be, let's like say, investment real estate. You buy rental properties. Well, rental properties, I own several of them, and I can tell you that it's not as passive as everyone makes it sound. No shit. It can be very active work. No shit. But y- y- it can be designed, and over time, you can have it in such a way where it requires very little work and so it's mostly passive and and then you're generating rent and cash flow. So that's another example. Now, when we the reason we say passive income time versus retirement time is, you know, and I and I'm just going to speak personally for me, I personally don't a buy-bye or like the term retirement. I think it's a it's a horrible, I think it should be stripped from the English language entirely. I think it's a horrible term. And it was actually created the idea of retirement and the age of retirement was originally created in the 1890s uh, by Otto von Bismarck in Germany, the Chancellor was Chancellor of Germany. And it was designed as a way to get older people out of the workforce who had put in their time and effort to create new jobs for a younger generation could be trained up to skill. So it was actually for a, a method that was designed to force people out of work to bring new people in to be trained. And that was prior, you know, at the very early onset of the Industrial Revolution, when life expectancy was brutal. And so life expectancy is vastly increased. But yet the age, the quote unquote, age of retirement that everyone abides by is 65, that hasn't changed in like 100 years which is, it's ludicrous. It doesn't make sense. So, so, you know, if you, the, 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 I have a, an issue with the word personally, because if you look at the root of the word retire, it's like, okay, I'm going to retire for the evening and you're going to go to sleep. So retirement's like the big sleep. <laughs> what, hap- what happens for a lot of people is they, they end up getting retirement. They have no purpose. They have no function anymore in life. They can't find that Next thing that's going to drive them and make them strive for for the rest of their life a passion a service model where they're going to serve the world et cetera, and they end up you know the stats are quite clear that many people entering retirement they just don't live a very long life after that because they don't have any they're kind of aimless you know that's what ends up happening so I, I really have an issue with the word in general and so I think talking about a time of passive income. Uh, and, and really maybe to insert passionate passive income where you're finding some passion in your life that you want to follow while you're also living off of or generating a passive income. I think that would probably be a better way to look at things.
0: I love that, Rich. And what I like to uh, refer to retirement is as a uh, work optional lifestyle. That's my favorite term for that. A work optional lifestyle. That's yeah, I like awesome. like Okay, cool. So a couple more things, Rich, real quick, and, and I'm going to ask you to, uh, I know you and I, sometimes we have conversations and we talk about how we get a little long winded with each other. And so our calls often go a little long. I'm going to ask you to do a skill that I know you're not the greatest at. And I know that you're okay with me saying that, but that's to be uh, laser focused and just, uh, and just give real high level points here. Cause another thing that could go over a lot of people's heads is first of all, the whole, we could do a whole episode on the idea of compound interest. People really just do not understand what that is is and how that works. And as Canadians, we are literally trained to do a reverse effect with compound interest, which is accumulating debt and having that debt compounded over time working against us. We are literally huge corporations. We are their assets, people. That's what we are. We are their inventory. Now, Rich, can you talk about real quick, the constant compounding? Like what does that even mean? An opportunity to take advantage of constant compounding. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, going back
2: to the car example, you went and bought this $10,000 car off the guy in Kijiji. Well, that money was in it, let's say it was in a savings account or a GIC or it was earning interest somewhere. And the moment you take it out of your commercial bank and you go give it to the seller, that money, you killed the compound effect on that money instantaneously. It's it's kind of like you took the money out and you you shot it you know, in the back alley, if that money's no dead to you, it can no longer grow for the rest of time, at least not in your hands, not for your family, not for your children, not for your legacy. Whereas if that money continued to be in there and it was growing the whole time and you were still able to go get the car that you needed, then you didn't, you know, now that money continues to grow. It has a, has a ability to continue to compound into earned interest. And so compounding really is, is Is interest is growing on top of itself, and in Canada, unfortunately, people talk about interest and compounding, but they're usually talking about investments, and investments uh, have the function of also being able to lose money, and most people have experienced that in life. So you really want to strip away when you're talking about compounding and and the and the power of compound interest. You actually need to be getting compounding for that to happen, because if you if you have growth on money, but then you have a big fat loss. Well, then you you a lot of your compound effect has been obliterated, so that's not really a true method of looking at compounding and the ability to have it constantly happening in your life. Oh man! Yeah, right.
0: Is some knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the models again, not yeah. to get down the tangent. Oh, no, really but- great,
1: Richard. Uh, we, we are coming up to time here. Where uh, where can people find you if they want to take a deeper dive?
2: Well, I'm I'm pretty easy to get a, get a hold of. Uh my main website is uh, richardcanfield.ca. Um lots of information available there. Uh it's uh, pretty easy to to track me down and Canfield is uh kick the can in the field, but not too hard it hurts. Uh so <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, I'm pr- pretty easy to find there. You I know, mean, lots of information on on my site around that kind of stuff and um and uh yeah, I mean I'm I'm on Facebook, I'm on lots of places, so feel free to reach out and I'm always interested in having good conversations with people and um you know, we we just never know who we're gonna bump into on the road of life and I've met some pretty amazing people on the road of life. So uh it's always great to to further build relationships as we as we move through this this story that we're creating as we continue on this journey.
1: Yeah, dare I say it's the uh, one of the most important resources, the relationships that we create and, and build on top of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate you coming on and uh, and jamming with us on the mic here, talking about something a uh, uh, very pragmatic and necessary that a lot of us just uh, t- tend to avoid, don't want to, don't don't know any better, and uh, and you've given some some really great context for anybody listening to to see that there are other options, there are, are things to be done, there are resources to to dig in and. And expand now what you do know. And that is really the game that we all get to be a part of and, and play inside of to, to expand uh, our, our understandings and things that we've um, we've uh, begin to begun to master with the intention now to, to share and be of service to others with that newfound knowledge. So thank you so much for making it work and, and doing a harrowing drive through uh, springtime winter in Alberta. <laughs> yeah, Alberta, <laughs> that's right. No, much appreciated.
2: Well, thanks for having me guys. I really appreciate you as well. And, and I appreciate um, the work and the effort that you're putting together to, to have this podcast available for, for people and, you know, to give them some hope and give them some, some tools and insights and ideas on how they can, um, you know, make, make more, you know, powerful use of their life on a go forward basis. I think uh, you're doing a great job and I just want to commend you on the work that you've done so far and and look forward to seeing it uh, develop further into the future.
0: appreciate it. Hey, Rich, we totally appreciate that. And I'm going to throw this out on the podcast to challenge you a little bit. And I know you've been playing with this idea and I definitely want to do it. I have no idea what it looks like, but you and I need to spin off and get together and do a podcast, my friend.
2: I think we would have an awful lot of fun doing it.
0: I agree. Okay, man, let's put a pin in that. And uh, I love you, brother. Have a good uh, rest of your Saturday and we'll chat
1: soon. All right. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. All right. See you later. So how does the dollars flow through your life? Are you effectively harnessing the power of those dollars before they disappear in your life? You might have it that you have little control of that flow. But all that means is there's a gap between where you're at and where you want to be. And you just need to take the next step. So that was episode 62 of the Just Life podcast. We really hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. It's always a good reminder of, um, of what it is that is still missing and the opportunity now to take it on as part of now the, the roster of tools that we continue to add and expand inside of our life. Hope you're having a great Saturday morning and we'll see you again next week.